Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can also tweet us at Jason Davis Voice. This podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. Joining me for this episode of the show, my favorite person in the world. There's no other way to say it. Who is it? It's you. Me? My wife, Sue. Wow. Thanks, honey. Thanks for doing another episode with me. Always fun. Thanks for having me back. Well, we're going to talk about a classic horror movie, (gasps) The Shining. Red Rum. Red Rum. Red Rum. Red Rum. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie was originally released May 23rd, 1980. Estimated budget of $19 million. Domestic gross of $44.7 million, directed by Stanley Kubrick, who also uh, co-wrote the screenplay with Diane Johnson. The original story, of course, was written by Stephen King. And Stephen King, not a fan of this film. Yeah, definitely not. It's pretty well known that he did not like Kubrick's version. Yeah. I don't know if we should spend a lot of time on that, though. No, we're not. We're not. I don't want to spread negativity. Stephen King actually said that he thought that that the visuals were stunning, mm-hmm. but he, he said it was kind of like a fancy car without an engine. Oh, you know? okay. So, of course, the stars in the movie, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd, of course, played mm-hmm. the little boy. That's right. He was so young at the time, and it was his first acting job, yeah. they actually were really protective. I imagine so. I mean, as a mom, mm-hmm. I think about these kind of things. Like, So you have a child actor in a movie like this. So how much context do you give the kid for the scene? Right. We want you to lay there and look scared, but like, do you tell them why? Or do you just tell them lay there and look scared? Yeah, it's probably a tricky thing. Cause yeah. you know, you don't want to destroy the kid's psyche forever. And right. Ever. And you're sure not going to let them see the finished movie. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) For like at least 10 years, maybe. And I know like even in the scene where, you know, he's in bed and he's having The Shining and he's seeing what's going on in room 237. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously they don't have him seeing it. Right, right, right. You know, so. But he does a great job of conveying that. Yeah. They ended up filming for almost a full year. Stanley Kubrick had had a reputation for being a, a perfectionist. Yes. And he would do you know, a million takes yep. of things to the point where Shelley Duvall actually had a nervous breakdown she did. on the set. He was... We'll get uh, into that a little yeah, bit later in the podcast. He was very, very hard on her. Yeah, very, um, very They said he so. was uh, he was okay with some improvising, though. Okay. Because Jack Nicholson would do a scene mm-hmm. and, like, even if he messed up a little, he would kind of keep going. Okay. You know, so they could play it out and see where it went. Right. And then he would tend to turn to the crew and say, okay... What do you think? I have something else. Oh, okay. And they go, yeah, sure, try it. Nicholson is always great. Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, not who Stephen King would have cast No, in, in no, role. he said, uh, why would you cast someone like that? Because the guy is already crazy. He right. shows up at the interview, he's already bonkers, so why would you even hire him? Like, it's so obvious what's going to happen. He looks sort of diabolical. What's those eyebrows? Yeah, he's just, you know... He's got evil eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, he's cool <laughs> as hell. I mean, Jack Nicholson is always cool. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, you can see, it feels like something's off with him, at, like you said, at the interview. And then when they're driving up, and they show them driving in the car, yeah. and she's talking, gee, honey, you know, and she's talking about, you know... <laughs> Is this where the Dahmer party was? Yeah, something like that. Exactly. And he's got a look on his face like, oh, I wish she would just shut up. Oh, yeah. You know? Like she is driving him crazy. Yeah, and that's before they're even locked into this uh, hotel for the the season. Yeah. Well, I think their relationship itself is not a super healthy one to begin with. And, I mean, it is based partially, of course, 
what they're, you're given from the book, but he's a former school teacher and currently an author. So he right. was teaching, but why did he have to leave his teaching job? His character, the way he's portrayed in the movie, strikes me as a guy who was a teacher, not because he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. That was how he paid the bills. Right. And he had this dream of being a writer. Right. But unfortunately, right. maybe he didn't have the ability to come up with stuff very easily, yeah. as is demonstrated yeah, in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I think the book does address like maybe more specific reasons that you really kind of have to just infer mm -hmm. in the film, but like, you know, really you had to leave the teaching job? Hmm, what, what'd you do? Plus he's um, five months sober, so he's been drinking. Right, he's, he's had a history of alcoholism, yeah. and you he, know, and maybe he's been a little rough with the kid. Right. Probably more than once, only one that we know about for sure. Right. Because they talk about it. With the doctor. With the doctor, yeah. yeah. And you know what? A lot of people go, oh, Shelley Duvall, uh, I didn't really like her in it. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen King even was like, ah, she's a screen queen. But, you know, you do have people who do appreciate her take on the character, even mm -hmm. though it is so different from the book. Because when she's talking to the doctor, she's holding the cigarette real nervously. Uh -huh. And her eyes are like real big. Uh -huh. And, you know, and it's like, oh, and it never happened before and it never happened again. And a lot of people think she's flat out lying to the doctor at that point. Oh, like, okay. It's an abusive relationship. Yeah. He yells at her. Who, yeah. kno who knows if he yells, hits the boy. He clearly isn't a good guy. Yeah. And that's the thing that Stephen King had the problem with because in the book, maybe he had issues, but he wasn't a monster. The character is a little more sympathetic in the book in that he kind of slowly mm -hmm. corkscrews into madness <laughs> and all slow that. Slow descent. Yeah, the slow descent into madness. If you're a fan of the book, you have to go into this movie, I'll equate it to Van Halen. Okay. <laughs> to me, Van Halen are two different bands. Van Halen with David Lee Roth, Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, right? You have to go into the movie treating it as a totally different thing. Oh, yeah. Don't compare it to the book because no, Stanley Kubrick clearly wasn't interested in making a movie based on Stephen King's book completely. Yeah. And I think that's why Stephen King did the miniseries in 1997. Yeah, he did. That was more close to what he Because wanted. he wanted something on the screen that was more of his vision. Right. If you look at The Shining, the movie, right. on its own, mm -hmm. without knowing right. where, you know, the source material, right. which I don't technically because mm -hmm. I never read the book, it's a pretty scary movie. It's a little slow at times. Yeah, some of the pacing of the scenes, it's just, yeah. it's drama. Yeah, I think the pacing could definitely <laughs> you know, uh, have used a little bit of a jolt. I think the movie clocks in at about two hours, 20 minutes. Okay. So the exterior shots are the Timberline Lodge on Mount Hood in right. Oregon, which is magnificent. Yeah. I mean, the, the scenery. But the opening shot, like the, uh, I guess, yeah. the helicopter shot. Yeah, when they're, they're driving in? Yeah. That's, that's Montana, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the Timberline Lodge was used for the front exterior, but all of the interiors as well as the back of the hotel were specially built at um, mm -hmm. Elstree Studios in London. Right. I also read that it was shot in the same studio uh, where they filmed part of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, cool. Some of the uh, fake snow was used in the Hoth scenes. Oh, nice. The door scene. Yes. I read that it took him three days mm -hmm. and almost 60 doors were used. So originally they built doors that were easy to break through. Okay. The only problem with that is that Jack Nicholson had worked as a volunteer fire marshal. Ah. And so he had the uh, ability to break through doors pretty well, because that's what he did. Oh. They had to build a stronger door. Yeah. So, yeah, three days to film, and they went through, like, 60 doors. Yeah. There was an interview with Shelley Duvall. You know, what You know what was your personal experience of this? And she said it was almost like some sort of primal scream therapy. Yeah. Almost unbearable. But from other points of view, really nice, I suppose. I mean, after the day was over and I'd cried for my 12 hours... 
I went home very contented. Yeah. It was very calming. Even the, like the nervous <laughs> breakdown she had, and she got physically ill to the point where her hair was falling. Yeah, out. yeah. And, and she almost crazy. left the acting industry completely. After I mean, the filming of this. Yeah. And I also read that the reason she took Popeye, which was like right after this, mm -hmm. was because she just wanted to be on a fun set, not so crazy. Wow. From Kubrick to Robin Williams. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll turn your life around. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. But, um, but even Nicholson, who got along with Kubrick, I, yeah. I read that he would go home after the day's filming because the days were really long. Yeah. And he would just pass out. Because, I mean, not only the length of time that they're filming, they're bringing up a lot of stuff. You yeah. Know? Think about this. When you get upset about something, if you have an argument and you cry mm -hmm. or you yell a lot, mm -hmm. you're friggin' exhausted. It, yeah, that's true. Tired. Uh, yeah, yeah. A good, good cry will wear you out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know and that's that. just that's like just you know crying over frustration or whatever. But yeah. like to have to you know pretend that you're being chased by an axe wielding nut job. Yeah, that's probably very tough, especially when you're doing take after take after take. Mm -hmm. So and then how do you walk away from that at the end of the day? You got to take off your character mm -hmm. as well as you put it on. Oh, that's the acting teacher and me talking. Yeah, I can't imagine Jack Nicholson wants to stay in the mindset of Jack Torrance once the cameras stop rolling. You wouldn't want him to. Oof. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we talk about the twins? Of course. We want you to play with us forever and ever. Yeah. And that's so creepy because later on, when Danny was sitting on Jack's lap, uh, he goes to get his fire truck. And Wendy says, don't wake him, but Jack's already up. Right, right, right. And so Jack's like, come here. And you're like, yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Danny sits on his lap. And he, his whole, he's like, he doesn't hug him back. His arms are just hanging there. Yeah. Which is why I think he's abused. Oh, yeah, um, totally. But Jack says to him, I wish we could stay here forever and ever. Uh, and I was like, right. ooh, the hotel's getting a grip on him. Yeah. You know, the hotel really is its own character. If you think about it. Yeah. So the other thing, too, that I read was that the iconic here's Johnny line mm -hmm. almost didn't make it into the movie. Really? Because Stanley Kubrick didn't understand that it was a Johnny Carson reference because he wasn't, I think he was from England or he spent most of his time in yeah, England. Yeah, so he no, wasn't he that familiar London, with. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't that familiar with Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show, which is obviously right, what that's a reference Johnny, to. Yeah. I mean, that's like the most famous thing. And it's funny, I read a tweet from comedian Pete Holmes the other day, okay. and he said uh, the poster for The Shining gives away like a major spoiler. Oh, that's true, him coming through the door. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of funny. I never yeah. really thought about it, but I thought that was great, a great tweet. Let's talk a little bit about visually some of the great things in this movie. The scene where he's throwing the tennis ball. In the script, it just said, Jack's not working. <laughs> and okay. Nicholson came up with that himself with okay. throwing the ball. And I got to tell you, Jack Nicholson has a pretty good arm. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah, watching him throw that ball. Because it's a big space. Yeah, but I mean, just you could tell that he's throwing, you know, he's really throwing that ball, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's a really cool scene. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of feel like that's part of the slow descent into madness. Yeah, yep. I love the scene where Danny's riding the big wheel. I was just going to say that. I love that. Yeah, the continuous scene where the camera is right behind him following him and he goes through the kitchen mm -hmm. and around and yeah. Yep. The kitchen itself was a maze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the one outside. But I also loved the fact that it was the hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. And then the, the sound changes when he's on the carpet. Right. You, you pointed that out when you we were know, watching. You know, it's so cool. And then, you know, it's the, the harsh sound of the floors and the softer sound of the carpet. Yeah. The harsher sound of yep. the floors. Very cool. So cool. Nice little details. Yeah. I mean, what would a, I guess he's supposed to be, you know, five or six. What else would he be doing? Yeah. There's nothing to do. Yep. 
There's only so much you can play with cars and fire trucks and yeah. things like that, I guess. I mean, I loved how he had the cars set up on the carpet like he was using the pattern of streets. Yeah. That's a very typical little boy thing. There's some very cool camera angles, too. Mm -hmm. um, the, the camera angle that I really like is when Wendy locks Jack in the food storage closet. And he's leaning against the door, mm -hmm. and the camera—it's the point of view, like you're, like like he's laying on the floor, looking up yeah. at him. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. What I really noticed watching this time around was just the sense of isolation. Yes. That they build in, and they talk about it a little because they've traveled three and a half hours to get there from Denver, mm -hmm. so they're in the Rockies somewhere. Right. But Mr. Ullman says, you know, it's a 25-mile country road. Sometimes there's 20 feet of snow on it. Right. You can almost feel like yeah, you can feel, feel the claustrophobia. it closing in on you as he says. I was, all of I was that. actually going to ask you if you ever could imagine yourself doing what they did, mm, locking I don't yourself think in a so. hotel like that, just just us. <laughs> I love you, honey, but I, I might go stir crazy. Yeah, I think I, I definitely would. Yeah. I think I would. And he even says, you know, a lot of times the phones are out till spring. Exactly. You know, and then so they had the radio. And then when Jack disables the radio, it's like, oh, oh my man. gosh, that was yeah. it. That was the final. Yeah. Final communication out. Yeah. It's just so scary. And the only way to get in was on one of those snow cats. And yep. that was just like this mean little machine that could yeah, drive like over. Yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I always felt so bad for Dick Halloran. He yeah. makes the effort. He flies out. Yeah. He's, he's enjoying life in Miami. I mean, Miami's, you know, he's sweating his ass off in, in Miami. Yeah. You know, record heat and all that. Right. But it's still, Miami's got to be much better than 20 feet of snow right. in Colorado, right? Right. And it's so funny because, I mean, there he is <laughs> watching TV and they specifically bring up, hey, look at all the snow they're getting out there. Right. Oh, that's yeah. convenient that he found out that way. The guy that he calls <laughs> to arrange the snowcat to get up to, to try and help yeah, them. Yeah. The actor is Tony Burton, who right. for in all six of the original Rocky movies, Rockies one through five, mm -hmm. and then Rocky Balboa played Duke. Originally, he was Apollo Creed's trainer. I think that's kind of interesting because around the time that this was being made, they were working on Rocky II. Okay. And the guy that did the steady cam for this had a very specific time frame that he was available because he was also scheduled to work on Rocky too. So that's oh, kind of funny. funny. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's cool. Oh, and hey, the guy who played Mr. Ullman, mm -hmm. I thought I read somewhere that it said he was the first James Bond, and he was. Oh, very interesting. Not in a, in a feature film. Okay. Uh, when it was a live one-hour show on CBS in 1954. How about but that? But he was the first James Bond. They actually filmed this movie in order, in sequence. They did. Yeah. I okay. think that the design of that, I think it was, they wanted the actors to really feel that wow descent into madness. So. Yeah. Interesting though, because so if it was a year and Danny was a year older, because he doesn't seem, I mean, because we've seen some again, movies where they, it, they go back and they like film additional stuff and put it in, you can tell because the kid looks different. Yeah. But he but was at this, an age though. Consistent. Yeah. But if he was at an age, I don't know how old he was when they started filming, but let's say he's four. From four to five, you're not going to change that much. You grow. You do grow. You would grow yeah, out of your costumes. They can redo the costumes. That's no I'm big deal. I'm just saying. I'm I... saying it's not like he's going to have a growth spurt like he's hitting puberty. No. He's going to grow. He maybe grows a little bit in that time, but not enough that it's going to be noticeable. Like his voice isn't changing right. or anything like that. So yeah. I think, I think you know, it makes sense. I don't know. And there's Wendy. Not only do I wonder, you know, what does a five-year-old do? you know, for entertainment, but mm -hmm. the mother of a five-year-old. Yeah. She goes along because, like, probably she feels she has to. Right. I mean, this is their option right now, and she'll do it, but, like, she's really not thrilled to be no. there. 
Like she's very, she smiles and she's nice to the other people in the yeah. scene, like in the beginning. But then if you notice, like her expression just gets more and more somber. I think she's, the whole time. she's clearly being abused, like yeah. you said. The way he talks to her. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So by the time she is screaming as he's coming through the door, she's just letting it all out because she's probably sure. never screamed like that before in her life. Yeah. When she comes in. So how's it going? You know? And, oh, he goes, yeah. You hear me typing, Wendy. <laughs> When you hear me typing, that means I'm working. When you come in here, you break my concentration. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> not, not really an impressionist, but no, that was pretty but, good. But that, but that scene is very disturbing. Because, it is because she takes it. Yeah. You well, know, because he's like, like, you know, you know, how the fuck should I know? Yeah. He really lays into her. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine yeah. being spoken to and not having something to say back right no reaction just like, she walks out okay <laughs> yeah. all right gonna go make a sandwich yeah. i think it's all part of the uh wow this is crazy this yeah movie. yeah you know I, I do have to mention you talked about her locking him in the food pantry mm -hmm. when they first take the tour of the kitchen yeah it's like so stark yeah and that one shot where it's like the knives yeah and you know it's like foreshadowing oh, that, that's that's oh something's gonna happen there yeah. but when they start showing all the food i am just amazed yeah like the size of that can of fruit salad yep. is like, you know, so huge. You have to open the whole thing. Right, of course. You know, I'm like, oh, are they going to eat all that? That's going to go bad. Yeah, You know, exactly. and all the meat. Yeah. Oh, yep. just amazing. I'm like, yeah, that is five months worth of food. Yeah, My only be. concern was I was like, I see all the cereal boxes, but what about milk? Because milk, they must have had powdered milk because that's not yeah, going to stay fresh, have. right? Yeah, there's no way. There's no milk that stays fresh for five months. No, no. No, definitely not. <laughs> They didn't have Parmalat back then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know about that. Milk that you don't have to refrigerate <laughs> until you open it. That seems a little weird to me. I've had that in the past. No, me too. It's good. Me too. But I would have keep it in the cabinet for emergencies. I want to know the, how that works. Though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. Here. Sorry. Sorry. So any other uh, thoughts about the movie? The maze. How we can we talk, talk about, about The Shining the, and not talk about The Maze, We didn't right? talk about The Maze at all. I believe there was a scene that either just didn't get filmed or was deleted where uh, Wendy actually is reading the instructions of The Maze to Danny. Okay. So that kind of might help explain, like, why he's pretty good at getting around. Yeah. I mean, it shows them in there. Yeah, they walked around and they found their way yeah. once. So you right. maybe have to suspend disbelief a but little that bit is that tricky. he's that able is to get really out of there tricky. again. You know, and I'm watching this going, just go to the right, just go to the right, you yeah. know, because I've been taught by firefighters that, you know, if you're in that kind of a situation, you just always go to the right and you will always make your way out because oh. you'll make it through all your options and then you'll keep going. Okay. I like when he's being chased by uh, Nicholson, how yes. he walks in his own footprints. Were you yeah. going to say that? I'm sorry. Yep. Very well, clever for a little boy. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, you know, when you realize because it shows him running mm -hmm. and it's got Nicholson behind him and he's like hunched over because he's hurt from falling. Yeah. You know, and he's looking, just looking at him like, oh, my God, this kid's never going to escape. And then when it suddenly dawns on him and he starts backing up. Yep. And you're like, yes, good. Oh, my gosh. He's so smart. He's so smart. Yep. <laughs> and then you realize that he's been running. So it's big steps. Mm -hmm. So when he's backing up, it's actually difficult for him to. Yep. And then he's like wobbling a little. And yep. then they show Jack Nicholson approaching. And it's like, is he going to do it? Dad! Can he do it? Can he do it? Daddy! Oh, <laughs> the first time I saw that, that totally blew my mind. It still blows my mind. Yeah. I still get anxious. Yeah. Oh, it's thinking that's, he's that's not going to get out. You know? you know, that's the great thing about this movie. And I think why it has stood the test of time that we've seen this movie a number of times now. Mm -hmm. You're still biting your nails. Yeah. Figuratively speaking. Seeing it the first time and hearing the red rum, red rum, red rum. And yes. thinking, what the heck yeah. is that? 
That and not until he writes too. it out and you see it in the mirror, you yep. go, oh. Yeah. I mean, yep. it is oh, awesome. So uh, I think in closing, we certainly have to mention that there's a sequel to this movie or a continuation of the story that's coming out very soon. Actually. That is very true. We saw that, uh, the, the poster and the trailer for it at the mm -hmm. movie theater, Dr. Sleep. It's Danny grown up. Most people feel that Tony, Danny says Tony's the little boy who lives in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most people say that Tony is actually Danny's future self. Oh, interesting. Like coming back to try to help him. Oh, okay. Because his name is Daniel Anthony. Okay. The trailer for Dr. Sleep looks really cool. And it's Danny grown up. And he meets a girl with The Shining. And he meets a girl who has The Shining and hilarity does not ensue. No. It just gets, yeah. Yeah. It looks really good. I'm sure it's going to be really cool. And, yeah. the, and the cool thing about it is that, you know, now that they have the ability to do special effects a lot easier yeah, and this true. and that. So I'm sure there's going to be some cool visuals in it as well. Yep. So they did a limited theatrical re-release of The Shining. They recently restored it and they remastered it to 4K. Ooh. And put it out for two different nights to kind of build interest. And now sure. Dr. Sleep will come out next week, sense. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's so cool. Yeah. King just, when he writes a book, a he creates a world. Yeah. And I think Kubrick, when mm. he does a movie, he creates a world. Right. So it didn't match exactly. Come on, I'm fine yeah. with it. Like I said, if you go into the movie just watching it for what it is, yeah. a Stanley Kubrick movie that's a thriller and disturbing and visually beautiful and everything else, mm -hmm. and don't compare it to the source material, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. Just like if you don't compare Van Halen with David Lee Roth to Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, you can actually enjoy both. Why are you rolling your eyes? I think that's a great metaphor. Oh, my eyes are stuck. Ow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that are going to listen to this podcast that are going to be like, yes, Jason, you are absolutely <laughs> right. Oh, oh, okay. So you're saying it could be like on Bewitched, you know, which Darren? It's one Darren and another Darren. No, <laughs> because that was just a weird recasting. Nobody, and they, they never explain anything. And it's just bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be a pain in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> and you're succeeding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got. Yeah. So good. Yeah. You know, even though the movie's long, I think it is time very well spent. Oh, absolutely. I only say that because Shawshank Redemption, which is probably my favorite movie mm. of all time, is about the same length as this. It never feels slow to me. Yeah, that's true. That's all I'm saying. Interesting. That's all. Well, thanks so much for uh, being a part of another episode. Always fun. Thank you, honey. Always a joy to do one of these with you. Thanks for having me. Well, <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> I'd like to come back forever and ever. The Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com to find out all the details of all the ways we can service your voiceover needs. Please like the Screen Facts Facebook page, leave your comments or questions, facebook.com slash screenfacts. And again, you can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. Thank you so much for listening. Red Rum!